Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. During this series, we are inviting the whole church to abide with Jesus in prayer and fasting. Thanks for joining us today. How many of you are into New Year's resolutions? Show of hands, anybody? Nobody, wow. I used to be like that um, because I prefer not to set myself up for failure, but I've actually kind of changed my mind about New Year's resolutions for a couple of reasons. Number one, as I've studied more in the Old Testament, I just look at the calendar that God set up for the Hebrew people, and I just noticed there's different seasons that he sets up. There's seasons of feasting, there's seasons of fasting, there's seasons of sacrifice, there's seasons of celebration, and you know, we have our own calendar, and sometimes I just think it's good for us to not only reflect on our lives, what happened last year, to look forward to the next year and say, what do I want to be different from 2021 in 2022, besides this pandemic going away, right? What do I want to have happen in my life this year? I think these are questions worth considering. And it was with that in mind, when we went away to talk about how we wanted to start this new year and our Sunday morning worship services, that we sensed that God was calling us into this new year to intentionally set aside these first three weeks of the year to pursue him in a study we're calling 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. I know it's incredibly clever of a title, But I don't know about you. I'm just going to speak honestly from my heart to you right now. These last two years have been exhausting. I've been tired. I've been discouraged. It's been draining. It's been difficult. And if we're honest with ourselves, if you're feeling similarly, that plays itself out in every area of our lives, including in our spiritual lives. And so we just thought, what better way to renew ourselves, to refresh ourselves by fixing our eyes on Jesus giving him the first fruits of 2022. Now, just want to say, it's not just going to be the first fruits, not just the three first three weeks. I just want you to know that right after this series, we're going to spend a large bulk of this year walking through the gospel of Mark together, where we want to spend time with Jesus to learn from Jesus how to live the way of Jesus. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus this year. And so if you're following on your notes, here's our commitment. We want to commit to live the way of Jesus this year. It's been so easy to get distracted by everything that's happening today. So as a church family, I'm asking you, if you're online, if you're here in the room, will you commit with us this year to fix our eyes on Jesus, pursue him with everything that we have? Are you good with that? Great. And so in light of that, like I already said, we're going to start, if you're following on your notes, we're starting 2022 by abiding with Jesus in prayer and fasting. And I'm going to take one week taking a look at those three big words there, abiding, prayer, and fasting. That's what we're going to look at together for the next three weeks. And our hope, our prayer is that as we look at these things together, not only will you personally deepen your relationship with Jesus throughout these three weeks, but that something will happen in the life of our church family. Because when something happens in the life of our church family, something happens in our community and our world as well. So let me invite you to take your Bible, if you haven't already, and turn to John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, we always have Bibles somewhere in the seat underneath you there, and you can find uh, this wonderful scripture on page 876 of God's Word in those black Bibles. Now, before I keep talking, why don't we just pause for a minute and and pray? Let's do the thing that we're going to be doing together. So, Father... Please take a deep breath 
we acknowledge to you this has been a hard season. But I'm expecting that you want to do something new. That you want to call your people into refreshment, into renewal, into revival, as Jenny prayed. So we just set aside these first three weeks in anticipation and expectation that you want to speak to us. You want to work in us. You want to show us and reveal yourself to us. We pray this would happen together in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody agreed and said, now the word abide. Let's talk about abiding. Abide isn't a word we use much today, is it? When I think of the word abide, it sounds kind of passive to me, which is kind of the opposite of what I think when I'm entering into a new year. I carry around, I think many of us do, this idea that if I want to grow in my faith this year, it's going to be all about what I do. And this was my early story. When I first came to Christ, I accepted God's gift of salvation. And yet, as time grew on, I thought like, oh, I'm going to have to prove my worth to God from what I do. I'm going to have to be a really good person. And I was a really good kid, except I was exhausted. I was practicing what we call religion. And I heard clearly when I was in high school, I was doing a study and experiencing God. God say to me, not audibly, but I heard it clearly through the Holy Spirit, Steve, you're so focused on what you can do for me, but you've forgotten what I want most is for you to be with me. I want it to be about life together with you and me. And friends, this is a danger for all of us, isn't it? If we're not careful, if you're falling on your notes, we can be experts at working for God, but miss being with him. And that's what he wants for you. Most this next year is just for you to be with him. And so this morning, as we start this new year, learning the way of Jesus, first and foremost, has nothing to do with what we do. It's about who we're with. You see, Jesus did not come to earth to give us a whole new set of rules, amen? He didn't come to give us a set of to-do lists, which is sometimes what we reduce Christianity down to. He came to free us by reconnecting us to the primary relationship that was lost at the fall. He came to reignite life together with him, fellowship with him, friendship with him, and then out of that relationship, everything, all those to-do lists that we do, all those rules we see in the Bible, all the obedience we're asked to do, it flows out of that. Don't get that order reversed, right? Jesus' invitation is clear to us. It's found in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. I have it on your notes. Can we read it out loud together there? It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Jesus. Are you tired? Are you discouraged? Come to Jesus. If you have hear nothing else this morning, I hope what you hear is what God wants most for you in 2022 is for you to enjoy your relationship with him, period. And the key to that, is this wonderful word we're going to look at together called abide. Let me just set the stage of John 15. It's the night before Jesus' arrest and his trial and his crucifixion. And in these final hours, he's spending one last night together with his best friends, his disciples, and he knows this is my last time with them. And so listen, he's being very intentional 
at this time about what he wants to leave his disciples with, right? It's this last night where Jesus takes up the servant towel, washes his disciples' feet, teaching them he came to serve them and they're to do the same in the world. It's this last night where he celebrates the Lord's Supper with them, explaining to them, here's the meaning of what I'm about to do when I head to the cross and raise again from the dead. It's in this last night that he prays one of the most powerful prayers you can find in scripture. And the theme of it is unity. I want you to be united as the church. And it's this last night in the passage we're looking at that he teaches us what I would call the key to living a meaningful or abundant life with Jesus. If you're on your notes, Jesus says that abiding is the key to an abundant life. Now, I've always imagined this scene taking place with Jesus and his disciples walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Maybe they pass through a, a vineyard on their way. I've been to Israel. I've had the privilege back in college to visit Israel. And you can actually kind of picture this, right? You have to kind of leave the city to get into the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's all these gardens along the way, vineyards along the way. And I can picture them standing in this vineyard and Jesus says to them, guys, I've got something really important I need you to understand here. And that's where we pick it up in verse one of John 15, where he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now let's just pause here because in this verse, Jesus gives his final, his seventh great I am statement. These statements he makes throughout the gospel of John make no no. Oh, what's the word here? No mistake of who he's identifying himself as. He is identifying himself as God. God who called himself in Exodus, Yahweh, which means I am. And seven times Jesus says, I am. And here he says, I am the true vine. Now that's interesting. Because the conversation probably would have stopped like that as soon as the disciples heard this because in the Old Testament, it was Israel who was pictured as the vine, a vine, by the way, that was meant to produce refreshing fruit for the other nations. So what do you think Jesus is saying here? He's saying, I'm the fulfillment of that. I'm the fulfillment of that. I am the one who has come to produce life for the nations. We pick it up in verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Interesting, as a vine now, he starts talking about fruit. How important is fruit bearing for his disciples? Well, fruit is our only permanent deposit in heaven. Fruit is the main reason that we have been saved. Again, don't mix that up. We learn in Ephesians 2 in Paul's great declaration of the gospel, right? It's by grace through faith that you have been saved so that nobody can boast. It's not about our works. But the very next verse, he says, you are God's masterpieces created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are now here as his church to fulfill God's dream that we can bring him glory through a remarkably fruitful life. Following Jesus, it's not just about getting your ticket to heaven, right? It's living this full life where we bring glory to God by the way that we live and how we treat others. I love what the Westminster Catechism says, right? The very first thing it says is the chief end of human being is to glorify God and listen, to enjoy him forever. Bearing fruit, 
It's not some unique phenomenon for the spiritually elite, right? Bearing fruit is the destiny of every true disciple of Jesus. If you're following, the proof of following Jesus is bearing fruit. Jesus is clear through, about this throughout his entire life, right? An absolutely fruitless life is that evidence that one is probably not really a believer. In the Sermon on the Mount, which we studied last year, Jesus said very clearly, right, you will know my disciples based on the kind of fruit that they are bearing. So let's talk about fruit. What does Jesus mean when he talks about fruit? I heard this story where two men go up to heaven and they see St. Peter up there and he's gonna let them into the pearly gates. One of them was a taxi driver from New York City. And so Peter looks at the list, he sees this guy's name and he says, welcome. And he gives him a gold robe and a gold scepter and a gold crown. And he says, you're welcome into the kingdom of God. The other guy was a pastor. And he steps up to Peter and he's looking at his list and he says, oh, welcome to you as well. But he gives them this cloth robe and this old wooden stick staff and doesn't even get a crown. And the pastor's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. I served God 40 years and this taxi driver is the one who gets rewarded. And Peter looks at him and he says, we work by results up here. When he drove, people prayed. When you preached, people slept. Is that what we're talking about when it comes to fruit? Probably not. In practical terms, fruit represents just good works. Good works. It could be a thought, an attitude, an action that brings glory to God. And there's two categories of fruit that Jesus talks about. If you're following on your notes, the first one is we bear inward fruit when we look more like Jesus in character. The fancy word for that is sanctification. We talked a lot about that in First. Thessalonians, remember, sanctification just means I begin in my life to develop the kind of character traits that Jesus had in his life. I just start looking more like Jesus in my inward attitudes, my postures, how I treat people. A perfect example of this is the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5, right? Here are the words on the screen, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, apart from me, who can say they're the embodiment of all those characteristics in this room? Totally kidding. None of us, right? Only Jesus inwardly possessed that kind of fruit. But here's the thing about God. He expects us, once we start to follow him, follow is an action, right? It's a verb. We're following him. If we claim to be his believers, we're going to start looking more and more like our rabbi along the path. And this goes back to our vision for you, for us this year, right? We want to learn from Jesus to live the way of Jesus. That's the goal of the Christian life. Does this happen overnight? Nope. It is a lifetime process, but becoming more like Christ brings glory to God, which is our chief end in life. The second way we can bear fruit is outwardly, and if you're following, we bear outward fruit when we act the way Jesus does. Later in this very chapter, John 15, Jesus would say these words, John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. You do what I command. What sort of outward fruits does Jesus command? Well, pretty simple. What did Jesus do? 
right? WWJD, remember those bracelets? What did he do? When Jesus first comes on the scene, he says, here's what I've come to do. In Luke chapter four, we read these incredible words. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, look, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So look, those are some of the things Jesus did. We too are called to do them. Certainly one of them is sharing our faith with others. We're called to go into all the nations, right? And declare the gospel. Others include, as we saw, caring for the hungry, clothing the naked, fighting for those with less, fighting for the oppressed. And this is why, as a church, we're not just focused inward, we're focused outward as well. We wanna be engaged in ministries like the food pantry drive we did here on Thanksgiving or a very Merry Christmas uh, that we did once again this year for foster families or as we just saw and celebrate the offering we could take for the Fowlers to extend the gospel to Ethiopia. Listen, the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, that's what we do too. That's what we do too as his followers. But, and this is a big but, and yes, I know how that sounds. Here comes the great paradox of the Christian life. This is where I stumbled so much in my early life, in my early faith journey. I would read words like this and I'd think, okay, I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna bear fruit, right? I would read Galatians 5 and go, ooh, that doesn't look a lot like me right now. I'm not all of those things. I'm not bearing this kind of fruit. Or I, I would share my faith and I would just feel so awkward about it or I'd be scared to even do it. And so I would try to produce this fruit on my own. A great example of this is this branch that I stole from Jeff and Trisha's tree. It's actually from our tree. Is this branch bearing fruit. No, there's a dead leaf up here, actually. But this is what so many of us try to do, right? This is not a new illustration. So many of us think, okay, if this branch tries really hard, if this is me and I try really hard, can I produce fruit? Of course, we all know the answer is no. This branch is dead. I should have read on into these verses. Because in verses four through five, Jesus says, listen, here's the key to bearing fruit in your life, and it has nothing to do with trying harder. Would you read it out loud with me on your notes there from the English Standard Version? It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, growing up in Northern California, I'm pretty familiar with vineyards as the disciples would have been as well, but I'm gonna assume you're probably not, even though we live in the lush wine country of Sangamon Valley. And so here is a picture of a vine bearing fruit. This is a picture of a, of a vine in Israel. It's just like Jesus described, right? These Vines are all stacked up and these branches are attached to the vine and the result is that these branches are bearing fruit. But what makes all that happen? Think about this. It's all about what's flowing from the vine into the branches. If you cut off that branch, any of those branches, just like the one I cut off from our tree, the fruit will stop 
growing and the branch will simply die. But because they're connected to the vine, the branch is alive and well, bearing abundant fruit. What's the key to all that? It's something we call sap. Here's a picture of a branch with some sap coming out of it. When a branch is connected to a vine, the life-giving nutrients of the vine flow into the branch, and that produces fruit. The only limitation, listen, on the amount of fruit that a branch can produce is the circumference of the branch where it meets the vine. That means that the branch with the largest, least obstructed connection to the vine is abiding the most and will have the greatest potential for a huge crop. Jesus also talked about one way that fruit has to happen is by pruning what's going on along that connection between the branch and the vine. There's a whole other message there, right? Cutting things out of our lives that might keep us from growing. That's your horticultural lesson for today. I know you're grateful for that. But do you see the image Jesus is painting here? He's a brilliant teacher. He really is a brilliant teacher. He is saying that you and I cannot bear fruit for him unless you're connected to him. It is only by abiding in Jesus, allowing his life to flow into ours, pruning the things that will keep us from growing in him and lead us astray. That's the only way you're gonna live an abundant life in joy. It's the only way you can bring glory to God in your daily life. And the more and more you do this, the more you abide, you will bear much fruit. Now, interestingly, the Greek word Jesus uses for abide is an ongoing command, right? It's a verb, but it's an ongoing command. That is just like sap. This is something that's to be constantly happening in our lives, constantly flowing in our lives. If you're following, abide means to stay constantly connected to the source of life. If you stay connected to Christ, if you draw your spiritual nourishment from him like that sap, if you allow the power that flows in from him into you, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you prune the things in your life that are leading you astray, leading you to sin, leading you to disobedience, nothing can stop you from bearing abundant fruit and bringing glory to God in the highest. You see how simple growing in Christ really is? Why do we make it so complicated? This was life-changing for me, as I already said. Even though Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, I've learned by experience, I'll bet you a hundred bucks, you have too, that we can actually do quite a bit without Jesus. We can earn a living, we can raise families, we can even be pastors of churches without abiding. But here's the thing, there's no real fruit in there. It will not lead to real joy. It will not bring glory to God. And so the way I've often thought about it since my recovering Pharisee days is like this, if you're on your notes, my only work is to stay connected to Jesus. Our God has done all the work for us. You have been saved by grace through faith. He just now wants you to be in a relationship with him where you are abiding in him so deeply, sharing life together with him so deeply that you can't help but grow in the way of Jesus. His promise to us, my favorite promise in Scripture is, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. He wants us to have a full, enjoyable, joyful life, a meaningful life that brings glory to him. But just like a power cord is useless, unless it's plugged in to the source, we won't bear fruit unless we're plugged in as the branches into the vine. And so that leads to this question, right? How do we learn to abide in Jesus? How do I get that life-flowing sap 
from Christ into my life in 2022 like never before? And the answer to that, you're on your notes again, is we abide by arranging our lives around spiritual practices. Now, if you're like a kind of a critical, skeptical person, right now you're thinking, I knew it. I knew this whole abiding thing involved some sort of work. You're trying to trick us. I guess what I would say is, yes, if we're not careful, practicing spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices certainly can become a type of work, right? When we have that checklist mentality, oh, I read the scripture for today, check and done. But viewing it like that is simply not a right understanding of the purposes of spiritual practices. They're not a way for us to earn God's approval or God's love. What spiritual disciplines are are just practices that can help us cultivate our lives so that we're ready to be connected to the source of life and therefore bear the kind of fruit that he wants us to bear. I I think of it sort of more like the soil, right? I have to prepare soil in my life if I want to be able to grow and to thrive. I'd actually wish we used the term more like spiritual graces. Because that's really what these are, right? Discipline has such a negative connotation for people today, but spiritual disciplines are just graces that God has given to us, his disciples, in order to plug in to the source of all life. And if you're following, they're simply any activities that can connect me to the vine. Any activities. And listen, learning and growing in the way of Jesus, it can only happen in your life when you cultivate certain practices that will enable you to abide in Christ. You think a vineyard wakes up one morning and is producing fruit just like that? Of course not. It needs cultivation. It needs time. Is your three-year-old ready for college today? Nope. It needs cultivation. He or she needs cultivation. He or she needs time. If you set a goal this new year, I'm going to lose some weight. As nice as it would be to wake up tomorrow morning at our ideal weight. It's just not how it happens. It takes training. It takes time. You want to run a marathon this year. You think you could step out tomorrow and do that? Of course you couldn't. It takes training. It takes time. But here's the thing. Get to the point in your life where you believe discipline and training is what really will actually set me free. It will actually set me free. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. To learn the way of Jesus requires training. This is why Paul uses metaphors in the Old New Testament like an athlete, a, a farmer, a soldier. That's how growth happens through training. Furthermore, just side note here, do a quick survey of the Gospels. We're going to see this all throughout the Gospel of Mark. Jesus himself engaged in spiritual practices in order to abide more deeply with his Father. So listen, if you're on your notes, if Jesus needed these practices, how much more do we? And yet today, and especially in American churches, I'm afraid we think this illusion of we're just going to drift our way into maturity, right? I'll go to church one and a half times a month. That's kind of the average pre-COVID. I don't even want to know what it is once COVID is over. We might pray before a meal at dinner, and we think at that point, I'm growing in Christ. That's as absurd as thinking I could step outside and run a marathon right now. If you want to grow in the way of Jesus, you must imitate Jesus. The way of Jesus is that he practiced activities that allowed his Father's grace to flow in him and through him. So again, as we start 2022, we're going to focus on two disciplines that Jesus abided with his Father. But please know, there are many other disciplines we could have chosen to do. I'll just mention a few, right? Solitude and silence, those were key in Jesus' life. Uh, I would argue that that can be a part of your prayer life. 
Bible study. If you've been a part of Cherry Hills for any number of years, you know usually at the last Sunday of the, of the year, we give a encouragement to be in God's word every day in 2022. So here's your encouragement. Do you have your plan? Are you ready? I've got mine. I can't wait to abide in the word of God this year. Meditation, simplicity, serving, stewardship, all of these are the kind of practices that Jesus practiced to abide in his Father. But for our sake, in these next three weeks, we're just gonna focus on two, prayer and fasting. And right now, I'm gonna get as practical as I possibly can be. Uh, I'm gonna explain to you what these next three weeks are going to look like. So first and foremost, let me just say, I mentioned this earlier. I hope that you view this as an opportunity, both as an individual, but also together as a church body for us to abide more deeply in Jesus. I am expectant for what God wants to do in this place, in our midst, but I'm also expectant for what he might wanna do in your life personally if you choose to do this. So here's some of the ways we're gonna be doing this. If you came in this morning, you probably saw some of these booklets, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. This starts tomorrow. We focused in this prayer guide on three areas, our personal life with Jesus, our sphere of influence, those who are around us, and then also the the larger Christian world around us. So each week, that's really where this is going to lead you to praying. Each day, we'll have a Bible prompt. You'll be able to write out a prayer based on that Bible prompt. And we're just inviting you, starting tomorrow morning, if you want to use, or tomorrow at any time, doesn't have to be in the morning, for you to just use this along with this. But I'd encourage you to actually read the beginning parts of it first, because it kind of sets everything else up along that. You can find this online as well. For those of you watching online right now, you can come in and grab a hard copy this week if you want, but you can also find it uh, right here. It'll take you right uh, to our website. In these little booklets, you probably saw this bookmark. This is out of the box for us, technology. I love it, but I also hate it. But basically, all this is, is tomorrow morning, At 7.30 a.m., this is going to be true every weekday morning at 7.30 a.m. If you'd like to call that number that's on this bookmark, I will be there, and I will lead us in a one- to two-minute prayer. It's as simple as that. It's just a call to prayer for us as a church family. So call that number. It'll just be me. You won't be able to talk. I know that's sad for some of you. But then Tuesday, there's going to be somebody else who will pray then Wednesday, and so on and so forth for 15 days, you know, the weekdays of this series. Just call that number. We're gonna call the church to prayer in the mornings. Another thing I just wanna mention is where you'll see it in this booklet. We'd like to call you corporately as a church body to fast on Wednesdays. I don't know what that might look like for you. That might be one meal. It might be uh, the whole day. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. You really need to pray with him. But we're asking you to fast on Wednesdays in some form or fashion together. But I don't want you to just limit it to that. If you sense God is calling you to something deeper, something more, some other kind of fasting, again, you can read in this a lot more about fasting. I'm going to talk more about fasting. It's not something we do or talk a lot that much in the American church today. But it really is a powerful discipline to set our sights, to set our eyes on Jesus. Wednesday prayer, I want to mention as well, every Wednesday on the day we're fasting together, this room right here will be open for you to come between 12 and 1 and just pray. There'll be some prayer guides, I believe, that we'll have there. We're not going to necessarily pray out loud like we did yesterday if you joined us for that, but come, just use this space to pray, to give yourself to Jesus, to pray with him. And then last but not least, uh, we've collected some of our favorite resources on these kinds of disciplines and other things. The staff have done that. 
And if you'd like to go a little bit deeper in some of this, you can find those at the Connect Center after the service. So I'm sure that explained everything to you. If not, you can come and talk to me, ask me any questions after the service. I'll make myself available along with the prayer time. But here's the question. I'm just asking you, church family, whether you're online, you're right here in the room right now, we would love for you to join. We really want to be expectant of what God might do in our lives this next year. And so here's the question. Will I choose to abide in him by practicing prayer and fasting? We'd love for you to do that. I'm going to close with this. Dr. Oswald Chambers, who wrote the devotional classic, My Utmost for His Highest, once said these words up on the screen. Each of us is as close to God as we choose to be. Let that sink in. Each of us is as close to God as we choose to be. The question I want to leave us with this morning, friends, is how close to Jesus do I really want to grow in 2022? That's between you and him. Remember, Jesus promised, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's our desire for you as staff and pastors here that you would choose to experience that life, that offer this year. And the key to that, once again, is abiding in Christ by practicing the same kind of things he practiced by drawing your strength from him. And I cannot wait for those of you who choose to do that together with you these next 21 days. Can we pray? Gracious Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We think of all the people who can't be here this morning. There's so much sickness uh, going around in our community right now. We pray a special prayer for all the healthcare workers who are under the gun, strengthen them. We pray for those in our family who are sick at home in the hospital. Will they be encouraged? But mostly, I, I just pray as we set our sights on this new year, we're fatigued, we're tired. Would you meet us? Would you meet us in these places? As we sang, would we raise a hallelujah? Would we seek you first? Would we learn to abide more deeply in you? And through that, would you pour out your grace, and your love? Would you change us? Would we experience the joy of the Lord? We're expecting and we look forward to doing this together as your family, the family you've placed here in Springfield, Illinois in a church called Cherry Hills. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church or to get connected, please visit cherryhillsfamily.org or find us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us.